Wars All In is a community of fans for all things Star Wars. We want to share our fandom with you, and we'd love for you to share yours with us. Find us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Star Wars All In. Also, search on Facebook to join in the conversation with our private group. We would love to hear from you. time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show where we go all in on all the details of the galaxy far, far away, one topic at a time. My name is Mac, I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by a fellow Dragon Slayer, Ross. Oh, Mac, it's great to be here tonight. I am really excited to talk about everything we have to talk about. Oh, you I think it's going to be a long one. I think, you know, I think we're oh. going to be here for a late night. You know what? We keep thinking like, oh, this will be a short one. It never is. It, it never very, is. Even short for us is basically, t- I mean, have we had a topic less than 20 minutes at this uh, point? No, maybe. I'm saving Not raise very bread. Much. Raise, you know, instant rise bread as a topic. Someday we'll that have... can't be more than 20. There's no way we you know, can stretch I, that And the worst minutes. part is when you think you have a topic that can be short, it turns out to be like, we will eventually get to like, oh, Japur snippet. That'll be easy. We've got like an hour. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like it's going to be bad. <laughs> but. Tonight, we do have some good ones that I'm excited to talk about. Yes, oh, wait, wait, I'm excited you. too. But before we I get just say, I see you holding those, your phone I do have there. one very There's important a, thing I want to mention. Not your phone, your data pad there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so if you're listening to us, it's probably safe to assume that you know we are a relatively new podcast at this moment. Right. Uh, unless you're listening to us far off in the future. And if you are, thank you very much. But right now, we are still a relatively new show. We, we are, are only on our... Really, what, third week coming up? We're not even through 10 episodes yet. Yeah, so this is definitely early on. But we recently got a iTunes review. And we just, first off, want to send a huge thank you out to Rural Farm Boy for the super positive review. And I'd like to read it for you now. Sure. Mac and Ross make a fun Star Wars show in their own way. They pick one thing, be it a character, a ship, a scene, and they take a close look at everything about it. Recommended listening by me, Royal Farm Boy. Aww. So, Royal Farm Boy, want to say thank you. We know you've been uh, uh, participating, interacting with us a little bit on Twitter. Uh, it was great to read your re- review. I can tell you we both really very much appreciated it. Absolutely. So, thank you very, very much for that. Uh, it helps us out a lot to have those five-star ratings on iTunes. Right. It helps us a lot to see your feedback. We want this to be about... Star Wars friends. We want this to be about having conversations with all of you and Royal Farm Boy. We really do appreciate it. So we just want to send a big thank you to you. Uh, You know, your your medal's in the mail. We'll get that to you. Uh, But seriously, (laughs) thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, 
We'll, oh, uh, I feel so good about that. That's yeah, so nice. Right? Yeah, right. it's a, it's, it's very a, it was nice. a very nice surprise to wake up. I think to. we I had another one that. that's a five star in there too. And I'm just like, I'm getting so humbled that people like. I know, us. you know, we're up to twelve ratings on iTunes wow. right now at the moment as we speak. So we really do appreciate that. And uh, please, you know, if you get a second, shoot on over to uh, you know the the iTunes store, the podcast app, the Apple Podcast app, and give us a five star rating or a view if you can. Write a couple of sentences. It really helps us out a lot, okay. and we definitely appreciate. It. Yeah, totally. Fantastic. So, Matt, and we hope that you've enjoyed all of our episodes of the now. Yeah. We hope you enjoy this one too. Yeah, we hope this is a five star episode. Uh, yeah, we, that's what we aim for. We yeah. aim to earn that rating. We'd um, like every episode to be five stars. Uh, so, just to let you know, so this episode we've got three segments coming yeah. at you. Our first one tonight is going to be talking about Luke's vision in the cave on Dagobah. What and is it? A little bit about some other Force fiction. Eh, we yeah, we, we might, might meander a little we bit. We might want to talk a little more about some other ones. But too. for about forty minutes, we're going to talk about Luke's yeah. vision and peripheral topics around that. Uh, then we're going to dive into Action Fleet, Micro Machines, Galoob, and later Hasbro's Action, action Fleet. I love Action Fleet. I'm going to guess we're going to probably talk at least 35, 40 minutes on that. Yeah. And yeah. then we'll wrap up with a little bit, tiny bit shorter. It's about 20 minutes. We're going to be talking about the Crate Dragon, the, the mythical beast of Tatooine. We are going all in on some diverse topics today, and I'm excited. And I'm excited for you all to be with us. So at, without further ado, let's just let's get on it. There's something not right here. I feel cold. That place is strong with the dark side of the Force. A domain of evil it is. And you must go. What's in there? Only what you take with you. weapons. You will not need them. All right, time for another topic, but there's something not right. I feel cold. Cold? Yeah. It's it's almost like that place is strong in the dark side of the force. I'm just going to sit here and kind of use my walking stick, aimlessly poking at the ground. A domain of evil it is, and you must go. I, I can't do a good Yoda, so I'm not even going to try. So welcome back to Star Wars All In. We have a, another topic here. We are going to talk about Luke's Force Vision on Dagobah from Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Have you seen that one, Mac? Uh, I've caught it. Yeah, once or twice? Yeah, no, no. You, you don't fall asleep sure. during the Dagobah stuff. You're, you're able to make it through it. Do people find that boring? No, I don't think it's boring at all, but I have like this weird childhood reaction okay. to it just it it's like a warm blanket and a glass of milk it just puts me right to sleep. <laughs> really? Uh, I mean, if I, you know, if okay. I'm fighting it, but a nice Tuesday afternoon off from work and just want to take a nice, you know, a nice little siesta, Dagobah does it every time. Really? Yeah. Not to say that I don't love it. I don't love watching it. Uh, but even remember when we did the marathon, right to sleep. 
Yeah, and see, that's fine. That's Jabba's palace for me. Yeah, hey, and it's I not because it. it's not exciting. It's just I've seen it all. Yeah, blink. There's, I remember what happened. I, you know, I assume based on the very small sample size of us that everybody has that thing in Star Wars that just kind of makes them feel all warm and comfortable. And for me, it's Dagobah. So, okay, let's yeah, talk about it. That. Okay, we're gonna talk we're, about. We gotta talk about what's in there. Yeah. So only what you bring with you. That's right. Your weapons. You will not need them. So you will not need them. And I love my f- favorite part of that. Is it looks like. Yeah, I'm going to click my belt on anyway. <laughs> yeah, Yoda just Sorry, gives Muppet. him the, the side eye of like, oh, I said you wouldn't need him. Yeah, I, I know, but I'm, I'm going to take him anyway. You know, just in case. So let's set the scene here. Uh, Luke, Yoda have been training together for an indeterminate amount of time. We don't know. But, you know, a couple of days. That probably is one safe of the most assume. important things about Star Wars is when people get complained about like plot holes and like this doesn't make sense. I'm like... The timelining in the middle of Empire yeah. Strikes Back is basically impossible to follow. Yeah, it, it yeah. follows narrative time, which has nothing to do with real time. That's right. I mean, Star Wars movies, just like you know, in the Last Jedi, when you have those three scenes cut together, you have the throne room, the the holdo maneuver, and the execution. You know, oh, they're yeah, all yeah, happening yeah. That's simultaneously, similar... but you're seeing them. You know, just like we talked about. So they've been training totally. They're sort of wrapped up an exercise. You know, Luke has just uh, kind of gone through another uh, little mental exercise with the force. And, you know, he, he senses something. He, he's using the force. He's reaching out and he's realizing that there is sort of a, a dark energy coming from a certain area of the swamp. And Yoda basically says, you, you must go, you know. Uh, and Luke decides, as you pointed out, to take his weapons. So he's crossing over. R2's twittering about, all nervous. And he crawls through a hole in the ground, which, you know, I don't know if I realized that. Uh, as a kid, I was focused more on the, the snakes and the lizards and the things inhabiting the wall. I always, you know, was watching those. But yeah. he, he basically, while it is a cave, we refer to it as the cave on Dagobah, it is really underground. You know, he goes through a hole and then there's a cavern underground. So my brain always interprets it as a tree. Cause the thing we see establishing is like this, this swampy tree with this huge network of like branches above the water. Line. Yeah. It's. And so when I saw that, my brain always thinks of the tree, but they obviously refer to it as a cave. So my always interpretation was like, Luke gets towards that tree, which is like the marker for the opening to this cave. Mm-hmm. And underneath that branch network, is a path yeah. actually under Dagobah. Yeah, absolutely. So he lowers himself down. Yep. Makes his way past all, all of the... Yeah, all, all of the wildlife that's there. Doesn't get bit, luckily. Uh, and all of a sudden, you hear the breathing. You hear the sound shift a little bit. The uh, All of a sudden, you have a little bit of a haze, you know, time distortion. Yep. And Vader comes around the corner. Now, one thing I want to ask you, because I didn't find any answers or didn't really have any unique thoughts. When you look behind Luke, it's obvious he's underground. There's branches and dirt and animals. And, you know, it, it's very clear where he is. He's an enclosed space. for yeah. sure. Now, Vader, when they turn towards him, looks like he's coming more out of an archway. Like, it looks like it's more constructed. It doesn't look... Whereas Luke looks like he's in just a natural hewn little hovel under yes. this tree or yes. a, a cave entrance that we still see the earth and sod. Yes. Vader looks like he's coming from a structure. Exactly. That's and, exactly and what that's, I'm saying. And it's partially because they had to create a shape of white behind him mm-hmm. so that you can see this 
this black armored figure yeah. against a black dark wall. Yeah. So part of that could just be the way the lighting was constructed. It may not be, I guess, uh, it may be, not be authored that he's coming from someplace like that. Yeah. It's just that's the way the lighting rig ended up. So, you know, I didn't dig into Legends for this because I wanted to keep this discussion basically what we see in the film. You know, I didn't really yeah. want to go too far into supplemental material for this one specifically. Uh, so I'm wondering, is there more out there? There's nothing in Legends I can remember. You know, there's nothing from any of the, the earlier novels, you know, the Splinter of the Mind's Eye or anything that I remember talking about it. So maybe we'll have to do a little more digging and see well, if there's something. But I just found that interesting, the juxtaposition of having Luke against this natural backdrop and Vader against what looked more of like a well, man-made structure. Let's just finish kind of describing the scene and then we'll start carving parts of it out. Okay. Um, just to it. give give the flow for it. So Vader comes out. Yeah. Luke like looks at him and is like confused on how are mm-hmm. you here and then Vader lights his saber. And so Luke, of course, at that point is like, like, oh, oh, we're fighting. Let me get my saber. Well, too. Luke actually ignites first. Does he? He does. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. So Luke has his my saber. Apology. Yep. Down. Yeah. He basically brings it up. You know, you have the hum. And that's when you really mm-hmm. first notice that time looks a little bit distorted. It's it. Things seem just hazy is the best way to describe it. Yes. So then Vader lights up and that pays credence to the well if luke didn't have his lightsaber maybe it wouldn't have been the fight a lightsaber duel yeah exactly but okay then after that we get a few good swings you know they're going back and forth um definitely slowly due to the effect yep you know that's being and very deliberate it's it's not dissimilar to the fighting style we saw from obi-wan and vader it's very samurai like chopping kind of movements absolutely big powerful swings and then step back yeah so Luke takes a swing and lobs off Vader's head. Pops his head right off. Yeah, like a dandelion just comes right off. And you can so, see Luke's face is kind of like, huh, that wasn't that hard. That wasn't near as hard as I thought. Yeah, I guess I've completed my treading. I'm a Jedi now. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, through a little puff of smoke, a little explosion, Vader's mass explodes. And as Luke's looking down there at this dismembered head, uh-oh, we see Luke, Luke with two U's in there. No, oh, no, I'm goodness. just kidding. No, I know. We're pulling too deep now from... No, 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 no. <laughs> he is not He is not an aberrant clone of Luke Skywalker yeah. has two U's in it. No, no, no. It's Luke sees his own face. <laughs> sees right. like kind of the... Not exactly dead because it definitely has kind of a stare to it. But Mark Hamill looks down to see Mark Hamill. Yeah, essentially, yes. And looking scared, but looking like himself. And then it turns back to Luke who's just like, uh... And I think we cut from there. And then it basically cuts to Yoda looking disappointed. Again, poking the ground with his stick. Yeah. So that's the scene. That's it. That's what we're talking about tonight. So when you talk about like the archway and stuff, there's a there's a part of me that goes in current canon. It seems like this is a part of a Jedi's journey because Ezra in Rebels goes through a similar constructed trial like this Mm -hmm. underneath uh, a Jedi I want to glorify it with Temple, a Jedi monument yes. on Lothal. Yes, absolutely. And when he gets under there, it it's basically the same thing. It's this like trial of fear, facing one's deep fears, facing one's inner yes. conflicts. Okay, so with that in mind, Luke's fear at this point is falling to the dark side, 
Right. He's worried about is the he dark doesn't want side to become stronger. Vader. He doesn't want to become Vader, which is very interesting because obviously it's foreshadowing what we're going to learn later in the film. Right, which is we yeah. don't know that yet. You know? Well, yeah, in, in the original reading of it, you're like, oh, well, Luke's afraid to be Luke's afraid that he'll become Vader, so he's he's fighting that with all he can, and that's why like like Yoda's disappointed. He's like, no, 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 it's teaching you empathy. Vader was you. Vader was the eager young Jedi who craved adventure, who yeah. became Vader. Yeah. Like that's more the metaphor, or you could also read it as like, it's the bloodline. It's your father is inside you. You're going to find something very familiar inside that armor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as a kid who's never seen his dad, maybe his dad would look a lot like him. Who knows? It's a vision. That's right. That's right. So with everything we've seen now in star Wars, yeah. Everything that's come out since 1980. It's pretty safe to say that Yoda didn't have a animatronic Vader. He didn't have a, you know, it wasn't like a big marionette, right? It, this is something that the Force... Sorry, I just see, like, Frank Oz in the Jim Henson Creature Shop running this artificial Vader. All right, and cue the uh, face popping off in three, two, one. Nailed it, folks. Nailed it. Explosion. One take. Didn't ruin the wax face underneath there. One take. <laughs> One take. That's all you get. Um, so, <laughs> basically, what I'm saying is this is something that the Force has willed. This is something that the Force has created. This and like I said, when we saw Ezra, it seems like this sort of facing one. The doing. I'll just broaden it out. Doing a vision quest seems to be part of the Jedi Order. Yes. And again, we see Ezra do this. And the thing about Ezra, though, it feels designed. Like, it feels like that monument, one of its features, is to be able to do this particular trial. Mm-hmm. Which kind of leads to the question you had about Vader coming from this more structure. Is there a structure on Dagobah, or is that part of the vision as well? Well, what it's... Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that everything we see once Luke goes underground is part of the Force vision. Right. That's how I read into it. And everything that happens in every Force vision we've seen, specifically, I'm going to say, in Star Wars film, right? Star Wars film. And we can include, you know, Ezra in that as well. It's always foreshadowing what's to come. It's always foreshadowing what we see at the end of the movie. So Anakin has his Force vision. You know, he's worried about losing Padme. We see it as sort of a dream. You know, we don't really see much of it. It's definitely the shall we say, the most vague out of the, the, the three main characters from each trilogy's well, Force Vision. Well, he sees... Well, he also sees... Well, I guess it's so more I'm thinking of, of specifically the episode Sith. You know, the shirtless... The, the Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. yeah, where he thinks it's yeah. Padme. But that's also, in a weird way, that's an echo of the, the auditory hallucinations he was having when he knew his mom was being killed by the Tusken Raiders. Absolutely. It's definitely the next step of that. Yeah, and it's... And like you said, it's an actual... It's a torrent of images, but it's... He is seeing what we will literally see later, because it's literally the, the, the B-roll from her in the pregnancy scene. <laughs> right, 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 right. Writhing in agony, but the agony is giving birth to his kids, which he doesn't really understand. Absolutely, right? It's it's basically, you have some information, but the rest is going to be revealed to you in a few short hours, basically, in the third act. I mean, right. that's what we're seeing. And we see the same thing with Ray's vision in episode eight. Her whole vision is... I need someone else, but really, it's just going to be me that supports me. It's going to be me that brings me through. I don't need to worry about these other people. 
and we see that with all of the the versions of herself that she's seeing relying on herself. Oh, you're talking again. Yes. So you're talking about um in um, episode eight, yeah. Episode eight, where she goes down into the cave exactly and she's walking through and she's and again obviously that's the biggest parallel to that because it seems like that's her step in this jedi training of, of going through the facing her fear and her biggest fear is being alone and the answer is going to be yes you are and that's okay yes yes basically the point of all of these force visions is to show our lead character not having all the information but yes. trying to understand what their future holds yeah, and I, searching for that information. I think the only one in the film that's like an outlier in many respects is the one in Force Awakens when she touches the saber. Well, here's the thing about that. I don't read that scene as a Force vision anymore. Of course, at the time. Hmm. But now I see it more as, you know, Quinlan Voss had the power to touch objects, the Force power to touch an object and see its history, see where it's been. Psychometry, yeah. I think that's the power we're seeing Ray beginning to to uh to display there hmm. in the force awakens she's touching the saber and she's seeing places it's been you know it starts out she's on um cloud city you know they have yeah, the, she starts she's with in Bespin. the hallway there and you hear the breathing of vader and then it goes into some other moments that you know we don't necessarily well, we're, we're, we're know seeing yet we all, see the past and the future it's well, like. well all of her touch points with it are luke's so it's the well it's we the presume bra- well it's we the, don't know for sure. Well, that's the thing. Some well, of that we're is back still to again. TBD. Like I said, it's really really vague because it has the visual makeup yeah. of especially the Revenge of the Sith right. vision, right? But it's also a flashback, a maybe flash forward. We don't know if the are the Knights of the Ren in the rain there is right. that when they formed or is that where they were at the time Ray touched the lightsaber. Like, like we have no idea. Well, right. And then also there's the scene, uh, with Luke at his temple that we get more of an episode eight. And obviously, well, not obviously, but it's probably safe to assume the saber wasn't there for that. Right. Which definitely pokes holes in what I'm saying of that being a force power and not a vision. Well, let's, let's just chuck it up of love JJ Abrams, love force awakens, force awakens, has a lot of things to be shored up in episode nine of things we saw that like they had meaning shrug, right? That's right. And here's the thing too. This isn't an episode about Ray's force vision. Oh no, no, no. This is an episode about Anakin's So getting back to it, we've seen force visions in a lot of different ways, but they all (laughs) ebb and flow from the Yoda one. And I think honestly, I think Ray's is the only one that I would even try to map one to one. I think the other ones are different. Like, like, you know, um, Anakin's are precognitive flashes, but they could have just been easily been a just nightmare, just a straight nightmare he had. And he's interpreting it as prophetic. Absolutely. We know it is because we see images from the end of the movie. But um, I think what's really cool about this particular one in in, um, Empire Strikes Back is because everything was practical, it doesn't have as dreamlike of a quality. Like the film being slowed down is that, but it's, David Prowse is there in a suit. Mark Hamill's holding a lightsaber. Someone went back and rotoscoped all of those, those things. Whereas like, I think when you look at something like Ray's, it's very trippy. Mm -hmm. Like it uses impossible camera moves that have to be done in a computer because there'd be no way to physically do them. Like when she's staring at a line of herself Mm -hmm. all going in a direction. But I think it's still the same 
motif of she's learning something really valuable about herself that she's blind to right now. Yeah. Because Luke's is that this great enemy, I have to kill him because I can't relate to him at all. Yeah. Well, actually, you're going to relate to him literally on your dad's side. Uh, whereas basically as the sequel trilogies and many times invert what we've learned about, like the original trilogy, Ray's thing is not to learn that she's connected to the world. She's desperately trying to do that. She's learning that she's a part yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's desperately trying in that movie to try to get connected with Kylo Ren. Like she's scared of it, but someone understands someone right. is going through the same things, but the answer is, yeah, and you shouldn't trust him. You don't want to build that connection. He's not what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Luke needed that. Luke redeems his father as a direct cause and effect of that vision. I think, yeah. I Which think is where Yoda, I think, has such a disappointment. Assuming that Yoda can kind of feel at least the impressions of what happened in there. Maybe yeah. not see it, yeah. but feel it. Is Yoda blatantly states twice more after that of like, you have to kill Vader. You have to kill him. Yeah. You have to end his life. Right. Um, you seeing the face in there, that's what I'm disappointed about because I need you to just lop his head off and then learn who he was. Cause I, if you yeah. learn that you won't kill him and he's right. Luke will not kill Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. Yoda and Obi-Wan even in death believe that killing Vader is the way to bring balance now at this point. And after it's, experience of the events of Revenge of the Sith, I don't blame them. Well, understandable, <laughs> right? It really becomes... Luke is the only one who has the power because he has a weapon. The other, the other Jedi, the thousands of yeah. Jedi who went up against Vader didn't have. And yeah. that was the belief that he could be turned back. Yeah. And it all starts there in that force vision. Yeah. I think it's safe to say. And again, that's where we get to, again, the, the fun we have of, of kind of Yoda reiterating that of Yoda in death has learned that failure is a good tutor because Yoda <laughs> screwed a lot of stuff up, including underestimating Luke's ability to connect with his father. You know, when Yoda's poking at the ground, we can definitely see that like, oh, he's got empathy for Vader. That's going to be bad. That's mm -hmm. going to Vader's going to kill him. Well, and then Vader's going to keep killing him. You know, everyone. Luke doesn't have patience. Luke is just like Anakin, right? I mean, he yeah. always looking, always, always looking to the horizon. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, Yoda just wants to train Leia. That's who he wants there. Oh, totally. That's who he wants as a Padawan. And uh, and she would be way better under his tutelage. At the same time, I mean, it makes sense that Obi-Wan was tra training uh, Luke because, well, Obi-Wan can, you know, turn a blind eye to a few behaviors. Sure. Yoda doesn't have that luxury. Sure. Yeah. I So I think the Force visions are something that makes Star Wars that much more interesting. I yeah. like that we have seen some more yeah. over the years. I like that we're getting diversity mm -hmm. in the Force Visions, and the meanings behind them are obviously intentionally left vague. That's the stuff that we get to talk about and have fun with, and that's right. one of the best things about being a Star Wars fan is getting to speculate on why things are the way they are, what they mean for the future going forward. And let me just ask you again, like, do you think that this is something that like when they talk about the cave, mm -hmm. did Yoda basically find this well of dark side energy on Dagobah and sort of harness it there? Or was it the fact of like he's like, yeah, that that place is the the part of Dagobah I can't control or or push away with my force energy? Or do you think it's like 
no, I, I built this place to meditate on the dark side. This is a facility we would have at a Jedi facility where we explore that side of ourselves without embracing it. So I have always felt that, especially after seeing The Last Jedi, I think, you know, this really hammers at home. We're talking about the similarities between Ray's vision and Luke's. Well, also, we have to talk about the similarities between the caves, you know, both of the underground right. areas where they are. So the way I am basically interpreting it, especially now, is those when you have an area, when you have a, a planet, an island, a, a plateau, whatever it is, yeah, that is that strong in the force. Incredible light, incredible dark, right? right? I mean, that's what we're seeing here. So Dagobah is teeming with life. I mean, we see that from the moment Luke lands, right? And that life is, even though it's definitely framed and shot and lit in this way, that life is not inherently evil. It's not inherently part of the dark side. It's no. only that that nexus in the cave that is the dark side energy. So the way I always see yeah. it is basically when you have that much light side energy, that much force, you're going to have natural evil. And that's okay. how I read it. So with good comes evil. So for all this life around, because of that, this nexus of the dark side forms. Yeah, and the way I've always thought of it is like Dagobah, I've always heard has, or I always interpreted as had a dark side charge. Like, just in general. It's mm. a swamp. It's dark. The life that lives there is very harsh and vicious. And, you know, it's snakes and reptiles and all this, like, not evil, but like this very predatory, unforgiving, you know, place. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that that's one of the things that Yoda went there is because it's easier to, quote unquote, mask his signature there. It's easier to hide in just the teeming black and white swirls of this right. planet's force energy that he doesn't pop up as much on it that concept of you know yoda hiding behind such a lively on but also kind of uninhabited world i you know we've heard that before obviously yeah, yeah. We, that's popped up in different areas the way i kind of interpret it though you have all of this force potential from this place mm-hmm Everything that Yoda does, because when Luke first lands, there's the monster in the swamp, you know, that eats right. and spits out R2. He, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's there's the everything he's worried about. He, you know, R2's worried they're not safe. Uh, you know, Luke can't do it. Luke can't do, you know, he he's always looking at the negative. Right. And I think Yoda is teaching him that, no, 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 all of this, your X-Wing, this swamp, all of these creatures, this cave, this is all part of the force. And it's not inherently light or dark side. It's just the force around us. Well, something that Luke would put more of a nail on the head with with uh, Last Jedi of just the idea of like the balance is so much bigger than one side or the other. Right. The force not belonging to any one particular. But he's, he's referring to yeah. that fact of like there isn't evil or good. Those are the poles of that balance. But like just the idea of like the awe of right. everything beyond just what you are, this think, interconnected yeah. energy force all around us. I think the easiest way to really put it in terms that us in this galaxy can understand is <laughs> it's very much the circle of life, right? Right. It's very much the food chain. You could say it's, it's basically, uh, okay. So this one animal eats another one to survive. Does that inherently make it a dark side thing because it's killing another animal? No, right. it's just, it's part of life. It's surviving. Well, and I think it's also spelling out something that we see, especially out of Yoda in uh, Revenge of the Sith, which is the idea of like 
being light side doesn't mean pure. Like there yes. is both sides of the force and you will interplay with both of them. It's not about not being dominated by the dark side because we see Yoda be, I'm going to go kill Sidious. I'm going to murder him. That's yeah. what I'm going to go do. Luke, you need to kill Vader. Yeah. Um, you know, when I'm going to capture, you know, lightning from this guy, I'm going to throw it back. Like Yoda is not a pure white thing. He understands there is another side of the force that is also a piece of the puzzle, which makes everything leading up to the Sith overthrowing the Jedi and taking back the galaxy that much more interesting. But I think that's a story we can talk about another time. But I think this is really good. I I think that uh, the slow-mo is kind of weird because it's about, I think it's the only time in the OT we do that. Um, I don't think we do. I mean, obviously slow-mo is in vogue now. It wasn't in the eighties. Yeah. I don't Um. So you're right. That is the only time. Cause we're only using it for dream stuff. Um, but I think it's, it's a lovely scene. And I think the thing I really like about it is unlike some of these other interpretations where we're, we're like going, oh, it could mean this, it could mean that because return of the Jedi is over because we've seen all three movies. That vision seems very clear now Yes, as far as like the most basic interpretation of it. It's got more yes. meat on the bone, but like just the idea of Luke was seeing this, connectiveness this yes not only could i be vader vader was me like you know my father is inside there a person i can understand and empathize with is inside that armor is absolutely so great because that is not what you think the first time you see it i remember when i first saw it i just didn't understand it you know little little five-year-old ross how can he be in there if he's over there yeah to me it was just creepy it 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 is creepy Absolutely. But it is one of the most iconic scenes in Star Wars, I think. Okay, last question I have about this. Oh, okay. When Yoda is pleading with Luke to stay and complete his training, he says, the cave, remember your failure at the cave. Yes. What do you believe he means by that? Oh, that's an interesting question. So. Because I'll be honest with you. I was always confused that because I'm like. He seemed to do what he was supposed to do in the cave. What was Yoda hoping for? Well, I think what he was supposed to do, we never... Well, okay. Here's why it's so hard to really understand, because how does Yoda know what he's supposed to do? The reason I think Yoda says he fails is for the simple fact that he went in looking for a fight. Mm. But that also doesn't really jive because... Yoda wants him to kill Vader. Right. Right. So it is kind of confusing. I guess you could make the argument that Yoda doesn't want him to kill Vader, but I think that's really speculating heavily considering he says, you know, you, you, well, especially in return of the Jedi at the beginning when he's on the, like you have to kill Vader. It's like, he's my father. Yes. And that makes it more of a burden, Yeah, but you still need to go do it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I think failure at the cave, failure to listen, Failure to probably the fact he took his weapons in the fact yeah. he wasn't fighting it the way Yoda would like right. in his mind with, you know, fighting with the force and his intentions and being prepared mentally for that. Yeah, I, th- I think the purpose of a force vision is to help you grow with your understanding of the force. Right. And going in swinging your lightsaber doesn't misses necessarily the point. help that. Yeah, misses the point. The fact that like. 
Yeah, the the well, or or actually, now that I think about it, maybe Yoda thinks of like, yeah, you saw yourself in there. That doesn't help you kill Vader. That doesn't help you see what the path that your destiny yeah. is leading you on. You just went in there, dicked around, and learned nothing. Basically, which of course we would go, no, he learned everything in hindsight. You know, I guess now thinking about it a little bit more, now that I've had a second, now that we're processing, yeah, this one, as I've added just I like think ten maybe minutes. Maybe the failure this. is more. Luke was fearful. Mm. Luke went in there and took his weapons because he was well, fearful. He took and his w- fear with him, and so his fear manifested. Exactly. And so rather than approaching it with a curiosity or uh, you know the need to learn, he approached it with violence and the violence from fear. That's how I'm going to... You know what? That's you know how what? I'm going to think about it. And, and on top of that... Everything before the sequel trilogy, there's always been a very concurrent theme in interpreted from the movies, but sometimes really spelled out in EU legend stuff of the idea of one cannot defeat the dark side from within. So yeah. trying to go into this cave with your fears intact, you will only have fearful. And a Jedi's path is to give up on fear. Right. What is it? Fear, anger. Well, fear anger, leads hate, to fear leads hate, to anger. Suffering. Anger leads to hate. Hate right. leads to suffering. Right. That's it. Okay. I want to make sure I strung them together in the right order. But it's also the idea of fear is a passion, and there is no passion. There is tranquility in the Jedi Code. Like the idea of you give up on yeah. these intense emotions, including your fear, because like, well, what do you have to fear? Death. Great. You go to the Netherverse of the Force and become one with the Force. There's nothing to fear. There is yeah. the Jedi mindset. Yeah. Whereas absolutely. so much of the dark side is fueling your passions and using fear not only to control right. other people fear. but okay. fear to push you towards your goals mm-hmm. absolutely i mean the sith live on fear alone yeah the fear of either having to kill your master or being killed by your apprentice i mean that's you're constantly living in fear or yeah. some version of it whatever and the, the inversion of the jedi code the sith code talks about the fact of like using all these passions and that the force will set you free it will break your chains that the civilizations have put on you yeah yeah it will make you exceptional. So I think at the end of the day, <laughs> there's no wrong or right way to interpret the Force vision. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at, once again, the films on their own. Yeah. I think you can read it many different ways. And I think you could probably come up with a half dozen that all make do, logical yeah. sense. Right. Right. But if there are any more that you can think of that we didn't talk about, oh, it, yeah. shoot us a tweet. Shoot us a message. Uh, you know, you know where to find us. Star Wars All In on all the social medias, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are about Luke's Force Vision and maybe Force Visions in general. I think once we get Episode 9, because the topic I originally wanted to do tonight was comparing all the Force Visions. Now, we sort of did that in a way, kind of impromptu, but once we get Episode 9, there are certain topics I want to avoid right now until we see how this whole thing wraps up. Right. So maybe we'll become more of a hang up than we we made a talk of big base show, but it's definitely become a hang up of like a. Yeah. Once we have that last piece of the puzzle, there's a lot of things we've already talked about. We will have to re-talk about. (laughs) That's right. When Wado comes back. That's well. we're going to dive in part of the secret first episode. That's not one we don't talk about. That's not out there. One day. If you'd like to see that, let us know if you want us to make a Patreon with reward tiers, such as our secret first episode. (laughs) We'll talk about Watto all day long. But I think back. we've said about everything we need to about Yoda <laughs> and leading Luke to the cave and Luke's That's vision right. on Dagobah, at least for the moment. We're definitely going to have to come back to this because there's a there's a whole ocean of force visions. We also need to talk about like Anakin's in 
Clone Wars on a certain planet. Oh, the Mortis trilogy. I want to talk about visions so well, that's, bad. That's a whole show. One episode per that, topic. That's a show. Yeah, yeah. That's, I'm ready for it. All right. Well, leave your weapons here, Mac. Let's move on to another topic. The world of Star Wars Micro Machines puts you in control of the battle for Naboo. Roll in the MTT. Betrayed Federation unleashes a battle droid attack. But Naboo's not defenseless. You grab control of the Naboo fighter and set up for the attack run. Now Anakin's got the MTTs in his sights. The Force is with him. Let's save the planet. Can the droids be destroyed? You decide. Micro Machines, your rules, your world. Star Wars Micro Machines Action Fleet Vehicles, each sold separately. All right, we have returned, and we're going to be talking about a collectible, a, a toy, a, a wonderful toy that I, I would say sort of crawled its way out of the Dark Age right into the thick of the pre-Episode 1 emergence of Star Wars, and that is... I, I, can I see it? Do I think these are my favorite? I think these might be my this favorite your toys. favorite Star Wars toy? I, like it, Definitely line. Definitely Star Wars line. What I about the Zubio that. figure? You like this more than Zuvio figures? Yeah, I don't know if I like it more than my Ricolet though. So okay, it's up maybe. there, top five. But we're talking about <laughs> the Micro Machines from Galoob's imprint of their line, which was a little bit bigger than a Micro Machine, which was Action Fleet. Do you remember Action, <gasps> Action Fleet? Fleet? Oh, Mac, I do. I most certainly do. In fact, I'm 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 flying my A wing around as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that takes me back. So the cool thing about Action yeah. Fleet to set the stage is Action Fleets came out in the mid-90s. Um, I, I, I couldn't really find a date if they... Do, so do 95. 95. 95 is when they started. 95 to 98 for the original run. So And then they had a small resurgence run a little bit later. Yeah, so as you pointed out, originally owned you know Galoob and then yep. acquired by Hasbro. Till all are one. Yeah, and so they continued... Uh, making play sets and other vehicles. And we'll, we'll talk about all that as we go. Yeah. But the whole thing about it was that was unique was it was a new scale for Star Wars. So you had micro machines and micro machines. You had like the little like one, two inch wide, like, you know, X wings and tie fighters, these little ships. You could build a whole little fleet of them. Mm-hmm. And I had a bunch of those. And then they started having play sets and the play sets had little micro figures and they sort of took those two concepts and mixed them together by taking the micro figure scale, a figure that's like not even an inch tall, yeah. and building around it relatively, relatively scaled um, ships. And so that you could have a fleet of ships with their pilots and then, you know, grab, you know, the speeder in one hand and the ATAT in the other and shoot at them and go pew pew and then that's have right. them ram into each other. That's right. I do that still daily to the, you know, still always. Playing with my action fleets every day. That's how I start it's every morning. Every everybody does that. That's is right. that not normal? That's right. no. It's if totally you don't make normal. the pew pew sounds, how do you know that they're not shooting at each other? You wouldn't. Anyway, it's not a pew pew sound. It's a pew pew. It's you know, it's a blaster bolt. I know what a blaster bolt sounds like. So, Mac, yeah. what what are your memories of the action fleet line? So my biggest memories is when Star Wars started going. I as I I reiterating a little bit of my trip here. I was weaned in the dark times when there was no Star Wars merchandise from like, basically I fell in love with Star Wars in probably about 88 is probably my earliest memories of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And it climbs its way up to like 94, 95 before I realized that I wasn't just into Star Wars. 
everybody was into Star Wars because that's when all the toys and stuff came back. So yeah. I'm pretty sure I could be remembering things wrong, but I remember Micro Machines were fairly early to the party as far as new stuff. And so I'm pretty sure I already had some of the Micro Machines. And then when Action Fleet came out, I lost my mind because collecting the ships, I was mm -hmm. obsessed with the ships and the guns and the tech. And it was this perfect mold of a play scale ship. And I think the thing that fascinated me the most about it was you had a little pilot you could take in and out. And mm -hmm. so that means that if, you know, if you wanted to, Luke could hop out of that and go into the TIE Interceptor and then he could get <laughs> out of that and run over to his snow speeder. And you could play with it that way. Mm -hmm. And I also like that. And it really bothered me even when I was younger, even, you know, as the, you know, not even teenager I was then being mad that some of them were in scale and some were not. So like the TIE fighter and the X-wing and the Y-wing and the A-wing and the B-wing, they were all kind of within yeah. scale, not yeah. not an exacting scale, but close. But then you had your snow speeder, which was like the size of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in your hand. <laughs> and then you had the AT-AT, which was like easily a fifth of the size it needed to be. Yeah, they they didn't match. They definitely didn't go together. And what's so incredible about the line, from my memory, yeah, is how many varieties there were. Oh, yeah. They made so many different ships, and some that, frankly, are really out there. Well, my favorite, probably my favorite one yes. from the entire thing yes. is a thing that, as far as I know, in toyetic form, maybe that's changed with all you collector kids, but like, was uh, the Virago, the Star Viper from Shadows of the Empire. Yes, Zizor's ship. Yep, and that is the only toy I know of that existing. I think they may have made one in the Hasbro line eventually. You mean like a three and three quarter scale? Yeah. Oh, I'll have to look. I, I don't think know. they might have somewhere along the line, but I remember going, oh, that's the thing from the game I'm playing. I mean, I had to cheat to get to that level, but I've seen those in the <laughs> level I cheated to get to. They definitely made Shadows of the Empire because they had the swoop bike. They had Dash Rendar's ship with the Luke Outrider, and Coruscant right? guard. Yeah, yeah. Mm, but I don't that was one of my favorite figures. They had. Okay, we'll we'll find out. Well, that we'll was the thing is. So, I never got any of the ships. Wait, so really? I didn't get a whole lot. So the weird thing about me is like, I didn't get a whole lot of Star Wars toys mm -hmm. because mom and dad were like, "Well, you don't have to. Just use your brother's old ones." Ah, and they were right. Like. He had a bunch of old toys. So I played with like He-Man and G.I. Joe and Transformers, especially coveted his Transformers figures. Sure. Um, and so when Star Wars Power of the Force came out, this was like the first parent time my parents were like right around the time they started indulging Mac needs to get action figures. And they felt more comfortable buying like incredible crash dummies and Ghostbusters because Star Wars was this wasn't their Star Wars. So there's a certain amount of like, I don't <laughs> think they knew what to buy for Star Wars. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, like, we never got vehicles for, for anything, for that matter. Like, any of the toy vehicles, because they were big and expensive. And what were you going to do with them? Break them and then, you know, lose sure. them and um, all that kind of stuff. So, Action Fleet was awesome because I could collect the thing I cared the most about in a form I could play with. Because Micro Machines are neat, but you can't really... Yeah, yeah. You can't really play with them as the If they're big the enough to Action get destroyed by the, the family cat. Oh, right. Yeah, then it's not really, not the most fun thing to play with. So, like, I remember the ones I had was I had an X-Wing, a TIE Interceptor. I eventually had an A-Wing, a B-Wing, a, um, a Snow Speeder, which I used mm -hmm. the crap out of. 
Yep. Um, I never at the, I I had the Star Viper. So again, again the the Virago, the yeah, she's worth ship. Um, and I think that might have been all I had. But my best friend, uh, Chris, had a bunch, and we would we would trade, we would do swaps. He also had the Micro Machines Dar Dar Death Star playset, which was yes. made for their scale, but worked perfectly for action fleet as yeah. well there was nothing that was particularly off scale from it yeah. so we would play you know all right we're going on a combat mission like grab you know alphabet squad because we've got all the different ships because we don't have three x-wings but we have an x-wing a b-wing and an a-wing so they'll go fight the empire and of course chris would be the empire and i'd lend him my tie <laughs> yeah. fighter and his tie interceptor and the x1 advance that he had yeah and we go fight and stuff like yeah. that i mean i i get it I get it. Action Fleet was the one that was the right size to carry to your friend's house. Right. That's how I thought of it. You know, I had this one friend, Nate, who had this entire basement. Okay. And it was split right down the middle. So you'd went down the stairs and to the left was sort of a finished basement, you know, a, a bar. And, you know, they had their television and he had his PlayStation and stuff down there. And then if you went to the right of the stairs was an unfinished half of the basement, uh-huh. you know, just concrete and cinder blocks. And that was where all the toys were. Yeah. And this entire half Man. of the basement, he was an only child. Dude, I was had a packed. And the one thing that you could bring because he had so many different things was your action fleet. You know, because ah. everybody had theirs and could bring yep. them. It didn't matter if one person had an X-Wing because you could bring your X-Wing. And then you have two X-Wings to play you with. an X-Wing squad. You'll be Wedge. I'll be Biggs. Exactly. Let's go. It was perfect. And because we all had a handful of them, at least, it wasn't the, well, I had the, you know, I had in the three and three quarter scale, only I had a TIE Fighter and I had a Millennium Falcon. Okay. You know, I never had an X-Wing. I never had a lot of the stuff that came later, the Snow Speeder. Can I- and so, but I had a half dozen action fleet. Yep. Right? Well, all I remember is I had a, I, I, for, oh God, it must've been the closest birthday A family friend knew I was into Star Wars and got me the first power of the forces, which started mm-hmm. something, like I said, my parents weren't going to start themselves, but it had already been started. Yeah. And that's where I go again, the collector. Wait, wait, hold on, let me, me clarify. When you say the first power of the force, you mean power of the force too? The one I was alive for. Sure. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Well, you never know, you know, like no, you said, I, 88, they could I, no, had... no, I apologize because yeah. like, I'm never going to remember. Oh yeah. There was one in the eighties. Wasn't there. I just wanted to make sure as far as I'm concerned, there's only one power of the force. We're never going to get every detail, right? But yeah. I like to get as many as possible. Um, so the the 90s Power of the Force. Uh-huh. I can probably remember to say that rather than Power of the Force 2. I like it. Do it. But I got first wave stuff. And it's funny going back of like I had Luke and Vader with the extra long lightsabers, mm-hmm. which I know are collector's items now. Mm-hmm. And I got an X-Wing. At the time, I didn't realize that the X-Wing that I received was literally the same mold from the 70s and 80s. And more importantly... Luke, which was the only Luke available at the time, did not fit in it. That's right. Because his legs were too wide because he was, as my friends called him, Buff Boy Luke. Uh He he didn't fit in the X-Wing. And it wouldn't be for like another, I don't know, in kingdom, it seemed like a year, maybe it was a month. But uh, (laughs) it would be a long time before I had an opportunity to get an X-Wing. And by that point, I'd already lost the the laser turrets of the X-Wing. They Mm -hmm. were gone because they were softer plastic and they fell off and they Mm -hmm. were gone. The stickers have already worn off. Uh-huh. Like, and by that point, I had Action Fleet and didn't need it because that little X-Wing was way more fun to play with than the big clunky one. 
I get it. I really do. So, okay, let me tell you a little about my Action Fleet experience. Okay. So, I had, and I, I should have written this down, but I'm just going to go for memory. Go for it. I had an A-Wing. Oh, we're going to look at the list? Well, it's going to help me remember. I had an A-Wing, and when I say had, I still have. Have an A-Wing, standard paint. Okay, Kozak had an A-Wing, and I think I ended up with it at one point. Okay, I had the Slave 1. Oh, I didn't have the slave one, but that one, was one of the ones that wasn't quick scaled. One of the uh, laser cannons broken off, but oh. the slave one. Uh, I had the shuttle Tiderium. At the time, it wasn't nice. labeled that, I remember. but I think it was just Imperial shuttle. Yeah, or... but I did have that. Uh, cool, but also, again, not exactly in scale. Uh-huh. I had a snow speeder. Once again, the, the normal paint job there. I had the TIE bomber. Nice. Okay. And the TIE Interceptor. Yep. I believe I also have a TIE Fighter, but that is the one that has been lost to time, it seems. But I I know, because I remember specifically thinking how blue they were. Yeah, you know what? I remember remember the same thing of when I picked them up, I'm like, wow, TIE Fighters are blue? Mm -hmm. You just assume they're like gray, because on a washed out uh, VHS, before we had the special edition and color correction, Mm -hmm. that's what they were. Well, they get more blue in Empire. They're much more blue in Empire. Especially when you see like the bomber going the bombing run and stuff. Yeah. And I had an X-Wing. Okay. I had a Y-Wing. Nice. I had a Y-Wing too. Yep. And since then, I have added only one more. And there's many more I want to get. But there's one I've added since. uh, Celebration 2017. I was on a mission. And you know, Mm. not a lot of people sell Action Fleet, it seems. And all I want them loose. You know, I mean, I'll buy them in the box, but... If I can get them loose, I'm going to open I'm them. I'm going to play with them. So. Yeah. I, and so there was one I did buy, and it was Sebulba's Pod. I was after specifically oh, the they mo- made both Anakin and Sebulba's Pod. I was able to get Sebulba's. Have not yet acquired any more because, you know, I'm out of space and money, like <laughs> most Star Wars collectors. But one day I would love to have, admittedly, open but a complete action fleet set. Oh, Action Fleet is like, again, it's it's this nebulous center of my, my childhood just because I think it also helped that like you, like I had a friend who had some so we could bring them together and it's do more than we could part of it. But I, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remembered. I forgot my favorite one. I literally left my favorite Action Fleet chip off what, the list what, out that? of the ones I owned. If I had had a Falcon, maybe that would have been my favorite. But out of the ones I just listed, there is one ship that I forgot to mention. That is to this day my favorite starfighter in Star Wars. You know where I'm going with this. I know where you're going. And that is the N1, the yellow hot rod fighter from the planet Naboo in episode one. Yep. And see, I didn't know about that until probably about Revenge of the Sith. I'm like, in episode one, they brought action fleet out. Where was I? Uh I was uh buying stuff. Where did I notice that? Let's you want to talk about that now? Let's talk about where action fleet Shall we say what uh, iterations it went through? So sure. from 95 to 98, the original line. Yeah. And they produced. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. They produced an AT-AT. They produced two different variants of an A-Wing. Red one and a green one. One came oh, with 3PO. One came with Mon Motha. So, you know, changing up not just And the that paint. was another nice thing is like all mm-hmm. of them came with extra figures. Unless yeah. you had like the snow speeder, which the two figures fit in it. Right. Or cloud car was the same right. way. Some of them even came like the uh, the X-Wing and the Y-Wing came with little astromechs. Yeah, which is rad. Awesome. I still have my little R2 astromech. Most of the figures and 
parts of the ships have fallen yeah. off over the years, but I still have my little R2 astromech. I was trying to figure out what my action fleet is, and I could not figure it out when we made this talk. I'm like, I think, unfortunately, they are probably, with a lot of things, they got sold at some point. Well, Mac, anytime you want to come and play with mine, uh, we I can might. make it happen. There's also eBay. The, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> so they called those color variants squadron colors, basically. Squadron oh, that makes variants, sense. Okay. Then we had the B-Wing, the Slave One, the Cloud Car, the E-Wing. Oh, gosh. The right. E-wing. From Dark Empire. Okay. We had the Imperial Lander, the Shuttle Tiderium, Jabba's Imperial... Sail Barge, oh, the God. Sand Crawler, which is one I always wanted. One of the uh, most had one. hunks of plastic out of them. You know, one of the most uh, minimal on features. Yeah, but still, Sandcrawler, awesome. The Falcon, the Tanty Four. There was a Rancor Tanty set. Four, wow, a Rancor. Okay, two no, snow speeders, the both the original, one, but... and then a sort of grayish, or- grayish orange version. Okay. The T sixteen Skyhopper, which I remember they made a I didn't Skyhopper? have, but a friend of mine did. Was oh, a great that would have been cool. Uh, Tie Advanced, which is one I'm going to get now. I'm going to order that one tonight. I think I want that one real bad. <laughs> uh, I have a little bit of a Vader obsession when it comes to my collecting. Uh, the Tie Bomber, the Tie Defender, the Tie Fighter, the Tie Interceptor. Mm-hmm. We had the Virago, as you said. We had. Uh, the red five x-wing and there were two other color variants or i'm sorry two color variants so the original and the variant and another y-wing two variants as well but it all started in 95 with a 16 figure droid pack before the action fleet name even came about so just 16 droid minifigures yeah you know what i think i had them because there's like a cz4 in there there's a treadwell i think yeah i know what those are without looking them up mac yeah uh-huh. Okay. I, uh-huh. I think I remember what you're talking about because I think I had some of those figures. Yeah. I mean, and like a I, B1. Uh, uh, the, the Droid names, you know, fall into the same okay, category so, as like weapons. So the me, two so. I just mentioned, you won't remember because CD is like a white droid, but he's kind of like a sculpted body. Um, he's he's just a background droid. Okay. I don't think there's a particular. I couldn't even tell you the scene he's in. Okay. Uh, the Treadwell is the multi-armed little walking rover you see around the Lars homestead. Oh yeah, familiar with that. Okay. There's the B one. Um, what is it? B one. B one. I can't remember. B one, which is the not B one because that's a battle droid. Why am I thinking? Of, there's the medical droid from uh, Hoth. Sure, I think was sure, one of them because sure. he had a twisting FX7? waist, and I think he was cool because he had a clear, clear torso. Is that FX seven the medical droid? <sighs> I don't. That's I'm not, not a droid guy, so I'm not the one. Well, I'll tell you. Okay, what. so there's a droid we'll pack, which I yeah. think I had before I knew I had that was part of Action Fleet. I think I just ended up with those then or well, like later. I said not labeled Action Fleet. Right. We had 18 different battle packs, which oh. you know they they really produced a lot of the minifigures, which to me never the exciting part, but they produced well, them. I've got a I've got an important story we'll get to towards the end. I'm going to leave this as the capstone. But I do want to talk about one thing about the battle packs. There was an Endor victory battle pack that had the Force Ghosts. Ooh. So could you imagine basically figures as big as your pinky finger's nail? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tiny, but clear. in the three Force Ghosts. Yeah. Another one I'm going to order when we're done recording tonight. And that's also back before uh, you know Hayden Christensen. Was that's there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I have a I have a thing for Force Ghosts as well. So that's that's what I'm going to get. And then we get into what I think is the most interesting part of the line. 
Mm-hmm. The Alpha series. Do you remember the Alpha series, Mac? Not by name. Real quick, so, just as we we go yeah. here, I do remember another thing. Um, I loved about Action Fleet, and I can fetish a little bit on. Okay, is the way they were packaged was really cool because the boxes had a inordinate amount of clear on them. They you really let you, you see what you were buying, and so I just remember them being like almost like you know, stacks of them at the toy store. And it was like mm-hmm. going through them and going, Oh gosh, it's the Y wing. And you look at it from one end mm-hmm. from the top, from the side, and you could mm-hmm. really get what you were going to get, which was mm-hmm. really nice. Cause all micro machines were actually fairly marketed that way, except mm-hmm. for the play sets. Mm-hmm. And so it was very cool to have that as an important thing of knowing what you're getting. And every once in a while, when we do see action fleet at, at conventions and stuff, it's kind of like, Oh, where's my heart that like kind of, like that gray kind of ribbony pattern that's vaguely like the grading you see in right. Star Wars, and then the sort of yellowy orange interiors where they have like the right. ship floating mm-hmm. inside there. But don't forget, that's only the packaging on some of them. Oh, okay. Some of them had a sort of blue episode one packaging. Well, see, that's the thing is well. episode one passed me on because once they brought out like the Shadows of the Empire, which you're going to get to, yeah. I kind of assumed they were done. So yeah, so the Alpha eventually series? Galoob bought by Hasbro, and they decided to bring them back around for the Alpha series, and then eventually Episode One, which we'll talk about in a minute. Okay. So the Alpha series basically were some ships from the first line, and also some new ones. Okay. That then came with metal concept versions of oh, those same ships. I do. So it came with almost like that. a little metal statue. Yep. Of the ships. And also, one thing we haven't mentioned about Action Fleet that makes them so cool. They all came with really great stands. They did. So if you wanted to this black like them, swoop yeah. with a with a specifically designed for that ship, mm-hmm. clear plate and peg, or clear riser and peg. Yeah. If you're a modern collector, the only thing I can think of in the line right now that comes even close, the Black Series lightsabers come yeah. with sort of a plastic, like an arcing piece of plastic that the saber can basically sit on. Yep. This is that, but also with a and clear plastic piece sticking up. You know what's another good example of it? If you mm-hmm. have the six-inch black series, either the Ray Speeder or the Luke Land Speeder yep. that came out around Force Friday, I think, for The Last Jedi, if I remember correctly, those have sort of a base with a clear plastic. And that kind of swooshing well. and customized like plate is very similar to if you play any of the... like. Um, the uh, miniatures games like um, oh, like yeah. Armada is got that. Yeah, yeah. You have a lot more experience with that than I do. Well, the games are again. This is why we work yeah. is because we have different hands. And that's, the other thing I would also say was cool about them that. is yeah. they had an embossed like Star Wars on the front, and then they had yes. a little groove which was designed so you could hook the feet of the figures so they could sit on the they could stand on the stand held there. You just taught me something new. I didn't know that. That's why there's that little groove there. There's a little lip where their feet, their the you know, the yeah. top of their feet can go, and then they'll stand freestanding on that little. It was designed for collectors mind. to show it off. So here, here's here's what's crazy. You know, M- young me. Yep. I think just kind of tossed aside those stands, and so I have very few left. Other than my, like I said, my Sebulba pod, which still has its sta- stand because that's a newer one. Uh, a lot of them have been lost along oh, with totally. a lot of my figures. You know, like your Sebulba, you know why I think I, I kept those as well as I did? Because hmm. of the X-Wing. Because if you wanted to display the X-Wing with the wing S-foils open, yeah. it needed to go on the stand. 
There wasn't any way you you could put it on the landing gear, but if you wanted to look like an X wing, yeah, it had to be on the stand. So I was pretty good about that. I I didn't keep them for all of them. I kept for the ones that like I would display in my room. That felt way. like it was benefited. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Like the the bill wing, the the B wing. I think I also did one that. of the ones I was most envious of. My neighbor had the B wing, and that I was, was always mad the B wing wasn't the right size. Um, cause again, the cockpit's very large compared to the rest of the body, yeah. but that is where my obsession with the B wing started. Cause I'm like, what is this? And why is it called B? It's obviously a T. <laughs> and then I found out the model maker's name was bill. And that's really where it comes with. We as Star Wars fans said, oh, it's the battle wing. Like that's made up. It's I mean, it's all made up, Mac. It's all made up. <laughs> okay. Wizards so, and laser swords. So in the alpha series, we had the AT-18, the B wing. Got the cloud car. Yep. Imperial shuttle Tiderium. Snow speeder. Uh, Red three. So an X-wing. Okay. Uh, Yellow leader. That would have been a Y-wing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gold leaders and stuff would have been. Yeah. Then we get into some play sets. So play sets were almost like a briefcase. You know, they sort of, they folded up. Uh, So there was the Hoth that really did look like a briefcase. It had kind of a handle. Okay. And when you unfolded it, you had a place for all of your little minifigures to play in while the ships are swooping by overhead. You had the Death Star, which is the one you're describing. Oh, was that actually for Action Fleet? Yeah. If we're talking about the same one, it almost looked like the front of the Death Star was rounded. It had a little cannon, like a little bluish-orange cannon sticking out. Yeah, I think so. And then it opened up. Huh. I don't think I ever realized that. Yeah, and then there was uh, the Yavin. You know, the, the temple. Okay. I don't think uh, I ever touched any of those. And I really thought that that Death Star was repurposed. Like, much like I had a Micro Machines uh, mm-hmm. uh, collector's uh, Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. which was far too off scale. But again, Action Fleet fit in there pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any of the playsets either. I know someone had the Death Star one because I specifically remember playing with that. Chris must have had that. I must just be Yeah. And that wrong. might have been even one of those things that when I had kind of grown out of my initial Star Wars fandom, you know, I kind of think everybody goes through that phase where sure. they discover there are other things I'm out too there. big of a boy for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember that maybe I picked up a Death Star playset then, you know, a yard sale fun, that type of thing. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, this is neat, but never really. It, it's not in my childhood memories, we'll say. Okay. And then there is the episode one line, which is where I think it really gets going here. You know? uh, for you, yes. Fan. Yeah. So there's Anakin's pod. There's yep. the flash speeder, which if you don't know, is that green speeder that they use uh, at the end when they have the assault on oh, yeah. feed. Uh, I didn't have that in Action Fleet, but I actually did have the three and three quarter version of that. Uh, I like that design. I like green things. You know, that's a good one. Okay. Uh, we've got the Gungan Bongo ship uh, sub, it was called. You know, the, the sub that Anakin and Jar Jar, or <laughs> Obi-Wan, Jar Jar and Gwygon. Uh, go through the planet's core in the planet core. We had the Naboo fighter, you know, later the N one, the one I was talking about earlier. Yep. The uh, named at the time Republic cruiser, but we know it now is the radiant seven, the ship that Gwai and Obi Wan oh. arrive on the trade Federation blockade ship on. We had the <laughs> Royal Starship, and Mac one. I need it. <laughs> I need it. But also it came with a Ricolet. Really? So I know you need it. Ricolet is it uh-huh. action fleet scale? That means you could hop in the Virago and I could just have this wonderful nonsense so, thing. Go ahead, Mac. I'll finish up this topic. Yeah, for let's us. go. On eBay. Uh, go ahead and order two. Okay. Go ahead, eBay, and find uh, them for how us. Much, how much do you think that is? That's go ahead and probably... pull it up. I, I'm sure our up. audience would love to know. A live listing 
a if, live... any, if anybody has any action fleet out there for sale, shoot us a DM, huh? And if you need, we to might get, be in the market. If I you have need to no get money, rid of but... it, and you're you're willing to pay uh, the shipping to us, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll find a. <laughs> I don't want to say a good home. We'll find a home for it. Um. So. <laughs> I'm still looking. All right, I'm gonna keep going. We had the uh, Sebulba's Pod, Maul's Infiltrator Ship. I need that one as well. Uh, the Droid Control Ship, a Droid Fighter. You know the Vulture Droid Fighters. Uh, an MTT Droid Lander, Mac. You might know what that stood for. I didn't write it down. M- MTT. Yeah. Multi Troop Transport. Yeah. The the big one that they all come out of. The really the big awesome brown design. one with the racks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That was a compliment to the mm-hmm. ATT, which is the Armored Troop Transport, which is the tank. Uh, a A A T A A T A A T. Armored Assault down. Because that's the last one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just said something. Too bad wrong. there's not a. What are they? What were the speeder bikes called? The the staffs. Staps. 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 DAPs. Yeah. Single Trooper Assault yeah. Platform. I remember when that was the preview figure? Yeah. For episode one. It was the. It was the. So, for those who don't know, you know, uh, the battle droids in episode one, when they're flying through the swamps, uh, are on those sort of floating pa- platforms with guns, kind of like the segways of their time. Right. That's right, what we're right. talking about here. That was basically the first toy release for episode one. It was sort of a preview figure that uh, everybody rushed out to buy. I remember I had one. Real quick, this is weird. I just found it. Oh, okay. So I found it. Uh, The weird thing about it is, so the big action fleet size one is the concept vehicle. The little one is the actual one we see in the movie. So the big one's weird looking. And they're not inexpensive. Here, let me just just pass this over to Mm, you. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Oh, okay. See what, okay. Do you see what I mean? Like that's how that's right. That's right. Some of these in the Alpha series, um, the concept vehicle was the action fleet scale, and the yeah, other ones the micro yeah, machine scale. Yeah. But I'm not gonna lie. A little, uh, you know, uh, J type Nubian like that in a die cast mm-hmm. is kind of cool in its own right. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. Oh, and that's Rick Olay there. That is that is the Han Solo of Episode One himself. That's that's right. So yeah, everything in the action fleet in the Alpha line. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it here, yeah. would have been they were reversed. So the metal variant was the ship. I think the... I remember those being in stores. And that, I think that was maybe the same time I was getting uh, another one I really liked that was from Galoob at the time mm-hmm. was they had um, fi- they were the Star Wars ships, but they were clear. You know, what, and Mac? They little red and bla- green and yellow plastic for the power plants and all the stuff inside. You know, we're going to have to verify this here now because consulting on my, Oh, by the way, that thing that Mac just showed me the alpha series of yeah. that $75. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So we got to get there. But now that I'm referencing my notes a little bit more, I had a second while you were looking that up. Yeah. Yeah. I also have here that there was another wave of alpha line that included the N one, the Royal starship, the Sif infiltrator oh. and the droid fighter. So I think there's both. Oh my god! I think there's one. So there's a seventy-five dollar one we need to get, and there's another one that we also need to okay. get. This is okay. So this is find dangerous. those. We'll, we'll take a quick break now. Okay, that's uh, very very dangerous. So you keep looking. There were also five play sets, and then from two thousand two to two thousand four, Hasbro reissued, really, and also added a few Attack of the Clone ships, including the Solar Sailor. Oh, yeah. Remember at the end of Attack yeah. of the Clones? Yeah. What Dooku's in to escape. Yep. 
Okay. An ATTE. Okay. Django's version of the Slave One. Ooh. A Republic gunship. Okay. And then the Acclimator. What? That's what I have in my notes here. Acclimator. Well, that can't be to scale. (laughs) Because the Acclimator is a Star Destroyer. Yeah. And I've never seen that one in person. Uh, I'm I mean, trying to remember, you know, is that action a, fleet? I think that's a venerator class, isn't it? Is it the one with the two? You're it, asking the wrong guy here with that. Well, do you have a, did you have a picture of it? Uh, I can get one. I have one here. In okay. My I, I think yeah. that's, I think that's a venerator class, which yeah, is the it, ones that have the two bridges. So, I mean, by literally typing no, acclimator into Google, this is what it pulls up. Let me, let me just see again. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Of course. No, it's it's one of the big ones you see at the end of Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it's, the one they're all... It's the first generation. Venerator class, is, yeah. Venerator class is the one that has the um, the midship uh, landing base, the ones they, like, the mission to Utapau mm-hmm. and stuff comes from yeah. in Revenge of the Sith. Never mind. No, it's all What good. kind so, of scale is that at, though? Well, that's the thing about Action Fleet. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but the ones I liked did... Also, for the record, just looking here on eBay, another yeah. fun wrinkle to the Action Fleet story. Oh. They apparently made Starship Trooper Action Fleets. Same scale. Oh, you know what? I found in my notes they brought this line to other properties, but I didn't look into it too much. Uh, yep. Because there's already uh, a lot to talk about with that. Apparently Fleet. Starship Troopers. All okay. right. So I now I need to Troopers. tell you one last thing to blow your dang mind. Oh, okay. 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 Um, before we do, just one more quick call out. Yeah. If anybody wants to talk about Action Fleet. We're your boys. Send us a tweet. We'd love to we, talk we, about We, we want to talk Action Fleet. If anybody's selling any Action Fleet, let us know. Um, so one of my favorite things about Action Fleet mm. will always go down in history is it was when I learned the concept of an Easter egg. Okay. So we know the Easter egg in pop culture, which is some hidden meaning to something you see that only people who are in the know get, right? It's just It's a little hidden treat for people who are in the know. I heard you killed Aura Singh. I like to think I pushed her. The fall killed her. Correct. That's an Easter egg. That's an Easter egg. Yeah. Um, when you go to Star Tours and in the new Star Tours, there's Rex as a damaged droid to one side to you. That is an in joke, a Easter egg. There's an Easter egg in Action Fleet. Really? Tell me about that. So with the TIE Interceptor, you get a TIE Fighter pilot. The one sure. that came with the Interceptor, and I know this because Chris and I both had an Interceptor and both of our figures had this. Its helmet came off. The pilot of the Interceptor, his helmet came off. It was removable. What was under there? George Lucas. No. It's this face, and it has kind of gray hair on top and a brown beard, and that's about as much detail as you're going to get on an action fleet that has a helmet that's removable. Yeah. But when we just stared at it, we're like, what does this mean? And then it all just clicked. It all just clicked of like, that's what it is. That's so cool because there's no other reason for its helmet to come off other than to be a joke like that. Huh. And I remember blowing my mind because I was like, first off, his helmet came off. And how cool is that at yeah. that micro scale? That's incredible. But then just putting the pieces together myself of like, well, who has gray hair but a brownish beard? <gasps> the maker. I love it. I had no idea. It's a little thing. And like, it's one of those things of like, I should verify on the internet, like to verify it. But mm-hmm. like, I know. In my heart, I know. In Max Logic world, in Max was, Star Wars canon, that figure is George Lucas. But I, you know, as a kid, when you're playing with toys, there's yeah. always that risk of like, I don't want to bend this the wrong way because I'll break it. Sure. That's essentially what happened. Was 
we thought we broke my figure because the helmet came off. I'm like, oh, his head came off. We're going to have to super glue it back on. Oh, he has another head under there? Oh. 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 Did, did yours do that? <laughs> well, I definitely can. I, I mean, I had the interceptor. I don't remember ever pulling its helmet off. But I can definitely Why would you try? I, I pull arms off of figures all the time trying to pose them. It's but yeah, serious. it was so cool that this figure yeah. had this removable helmet. And when you think about what that was in the 90s, like... There's not going to be, oh, that's the yeah. famous TIE fighter power, uh, Davin Felf. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, that's Devin Felf's a stormtrooper. Uh, Saren Mer- Merrick Serene. I-, I can't remember who TIE fighter is about. But the point is, <laughs> there are no famous TIE fighter pilots. They don't have faces. The armor is their body. And so to have this was just such a cool little that is cool. nifty thing. And just one of those things of like, I can't believe someone got that past marketing well- to do. That just speaks to how great the play factor was with Action Fleet. Oh, yeah. Because every single one of those ships. So, I mean, the N1 had a cockpit that slid back and forth on rails. And you could put a pilot in. And then it also had the droid, you know, the astromech. You could push it down. And then there was a little button on the bottom to push it up. Like it was, you know, being brought into the ship. Oh, the really? X-wing, That's cool. Yeah, the X-wing could, you know, switch back and forth from attack mode to not. Yep. The cockpit popped up. It had a removable astromech with a uh, socket for the. Yeah, yep. the slave one cockpit that could open. The guns would rotate, and when Twirl. you pulled the guns, the ramp lowered, and you had the little block of carbonite in there that could be removed. Yep, even simple ones like the Snowspeeder had the canopy that opens up so you could put both figures in. It mm-hmm. had the swiveling harpoon gun on the back, and it, and also it had the had, little air brakes. Yeah, I was going to say, it had the air brakes as well. Those popped off real easily. That was good, but what killed my Snowspeeder, I remember it losing most of its play values, is the, the long guns on the Snowspeeder were made of a softer plastic, Slowly. so they would... Curl up or down. Forward, yep. Oh, yours drooped. Mine got pulled back. Mine are They got stuck in a bag and got uh, folded back on each other. Yeah, mine are very much drooping down and towards the center. Yeah, looking like they're just very sad. Uh, also, the X-Wing. You lost every single cannon. I don't think that oh, was a way yeah, to Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was hard to... Those all came That's off. That's another and... fine reason why the uh, the Y-Wing was great. That thing was a tank. You couldn't lose any parts of it, even though, like, the nacelles on the back would come off. Like, yeah. they locked on pretty hard. Action Fleet was great. Action Fleet Action was amazing. Action Fleet was a way to really stretch your imagination with space battles. Yeah. And it was affordable, uh, you know, compared to the larger ships. There was a greater variety. And and to me, it hit at a perfect time because at that time I had just, I would be playing like in 93 and 94. Um, I would be getting the CD-ROM versions that next year of uh, X-Wing and TIE Fighter. Mm-hmm, and I played mm-hmm. the crap out of X-Wing and TIE Fighter. So if you have never seen Action Fleet, if you never owned an Action Fleet vehicle, I think it's time to go check them out. Totally. Just don't drive up that uh, Naboo uh, Royal Star Starship well, we, uh, market. We've already bought out the stock on those. We, we have to. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't buy any more of them because ours need to. No, actually, buy all of them. We have ours. That's right. We're good now. R- drive so, the market up. So when we go back to Celebration, we're looking for some action fleet. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. My wife will be thrilled. Hey, they're small. They're micro machines. It says so on the box. Just got to sell something else to make room for them first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This has been a great discussion. Again, definitely one of my favorite Star Wars toys ever. Hasbro, Uh, right after you released that Sarko Plank 6-inch action fleet. Let's get that I can't believe they re-released ones. I'm really going to be on eBay tonight. You and me both, pal. All right. Until then.
Oh no, there's Tusken Raiders around us. How will we get rid of them? What's that sound? I don't know if that's even in the ballpark. But who made that sound? It's that man in the wood, in the hood. But what is that the sound of, Ross? I think that might be the sound of the Great Dragon, Mac. The Great Dragon, or Cryat Dragon, or Great Dragon. Somewhere along the road, I feel very confidently an audio book or a video uh-huh, game uh-huh. or 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 maybe it's like the BBC original Ooh. radio drama. Someone said crate dragon because yeah. when you look at that word, that's not the word that seems like it should come out of it. I feel like it should be two syllables. So like cray, but then a hard T. Crayet. Mm. You know, that's how I want to say it. But I think we both agreed crate is what we're going to say. We're going to say crate. But yeah, yeah I want to say cryat, I think is what I called it when I was a little kid. But that's because I couldn't pronounce words. That's that's from the era of Coruscant. Yeah. So if anyone knows an actual straight from Lucasfilm source about the pronunciation, we, let us know. We poked around. Probably not as exhaustively as we could, but we poked around yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, But... The giant lizard beasts of Tatooine. We we hear and have always known that Obi-Wan creates the sound, and that's what scares the Tusken Raiders. And it was always assumed that we saw a skeleton of yes. one out there at the Dune Sea. When C-3PO, C-3PO is walking through the desert, and there's sort of that giant, just white... I mean, really, you would think it may be like a snake. Because yeah. you don't see anything but its sort no, of it really head arms and, vertebra- and, and its, spine. its spine. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we're talking about here. Yep. And we're talking about sort of every instance of importance uh, for this dragon, in which yep. isn't much in Star Wars. So really, we have our first references in A New Hope. Yep. Right? And then after that, we don't really get a whole lot until, what, the early 2000s? Um. Yeah, we eventually kind of circled back to it. I mean, there's people that speculated about them. We mm-hmm. kind of already knew that someone had drawn them. Maybe it was Ralph McQuarrie drawings or something. Like, someone imagined it because we kind of knew it was like like a Komodo dragon. It's it's a big monitor lizard. It's not like a medieval dragon or an Asian dragon. It is a big lizard. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I definitely know what you mean. We're going to have to talk about that though more in a minute because there might be some conflicting sources on all that. But it's not a dragon with, like, wings. Well. Well. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Let's let's talk about it. So, they're apparently, according to the Star Wars Ultimate Guide. Okay. Two types of great dragons. Oh. The canyon and the greater. So, a canyon, I'm assuming, is what I'm describing. As far as I can tell, there's not a whole lot of info out there, okay? Okay. So, I like to focus on when it comes to this type of information, you know, we are focusing specifically here on canon. You know, we're not talking right. too much about legends because legends is always up, a secondary. Yeah, conversation. They, they do show up in what is it? Knights of the Old Republic. They show up on a couple of play- video games like create dragons because yeah. there's something to fight. So yes. probably the most famous one I can think of is and this is where I was hoping to find the proficial pronunciation is Knights of the Republic, the original Xbox slash um, PC, PC game. Yeah. Um, there's a part where you're on Tatooine and you have to fight one. It's part of the mission to get the star map for Tatooine as you fight one. And that's where, maybe that's where I get my biggest thing. They have big kind of wild snake eyes. Like the eyes are a little bit too open. Uh, and it had sort of like these kind of finny or horny protrusions coming off of its neck. And it reminds me of like, like a 1950s movie, like, Oh no, the giant Gila monster is coming to kill us. Like Mm -hmm. it's just a giant, traditional southwest american like lizard just blown up to be the size of a city bus yeah yeah so 
in canon. Not mm-hmm. many other mentions of them, but there are two more. And they're ones that I think a lot of people have uh, sort of slipped under their radar because they're not in the most easy-to-access sources. So, number one, in the novel Hair to the Jedi, Mac, do you remember this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this came out in about 2015. Yep. It was one of the, I think it was 2015, I'd have to go back and double check, but it was one of the first novels of the new canon. Yeah. And it takes place between episode four and five, and its main focus is Luke starting to learn to use his powers. Yeah, that's where we get our favorite reference of new canon, reminding you that new canon is much, much better maintained, but still goofy, as in the legendary pop song I don't Vader think, and I his don't, prosthetic isn't parts. Isn't that in A New Dawn? Or is that in Heir to the Jedi? I'd have to go look. No, it's in Heir to the Jedi because it's Luke. New Dawn's the one with... Uh, yeah, Kanan and... Kanan. Uh, and uh, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yes, you're right that New Dawn is goofy in its yeah. own way, but no. No, New no, Dawn prosthetic has Prosthetic parts comes from yeah, Luke. A New Dawn has the like the Richard Simmons character <laughs> no, 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 no. villain, he's, right? Uh, he's basically... Yeah, he's an evil... Um, not Richard Yeah, Simmons. that's he's, not a good uh, one. He's um, I was thinking like a motivational speaker. Like uh, a, it's like a Joel Olstein or a uh like he, he's he's like a half motivational speaker, half like pyramid business scheme, guru. Yeah, yeah, type yeah. guy. Yeah, okay. So in Heir of the Jedi, they talk that pearls are found in the bodies of crate dragons. Yeah. And they were and hunted, like gullets. Yeah, and they were hunted to extinction. Yeah, uh, and that was sort of what Kotor is representing is this is a time when Knights of the Republic, the video game is 4,000 years before Luke, so right. they're all over the planet. They're, they're a little more abundant. Okay. But the reason why we wanted to talk about this, or more specifically, I wanted to talk about this tonight, is not because of a couple of quick scenes in episode four, not because of Knights of the Old Republic, which I still haven't played. Don't tell anyone. <gasps> I know I never had an Xbox. What do you want me to do? My parents wouldn't get me a computer either. I have I it on my phone. I want you to go but... get an Xbox is what I want you to do. We should. Do you have one around here? I do. do I'm not going to lie. I love Knights of Republic's games and story, but like its gameplay is a little crusty. Well, I have it on my phone, so maybe one of these days I'll play it. There you go. I did. The perfect place to play it. You know, earlier today I really wanted to play a Star Wars game because we're still a little ways away from Jedi Fallen Order. So I tried to find my disc of The Force Unleashed. And I'm like, why am I playing this? But I couldn't find it. Oh, just it, wait. So. You've fallen yeah. order. I wouldn't be surprised you fight a crate drink. Like I said, there's only so many beasts that are openly hostile yeah. we can fight in Star Wars. That's right. That's right. So the reason we're talking about crate dragons today is a particular story that has come out very, yeah. very recently, written by George Mann. And this story is the first out of the, I believe, As nine pulls the book over that are in yeah that are in this book. Star Wars Myths and Fables. Now, this is a young reader book, so this is geared towards, I think you could argue, you know, eight, nine, ten year old and well, up, maybe. Sort of. It's it's meant to be a storybook, so it. I think it's it's not necessarily targeting them as much as just this is what if Star Wars had bedtime stories. Yes, and that's definitely the idea. This book has some great illustrations. So the illustrations for the entire book here. As I flip it open, because I know it says right at the beginning, the illustrations are by Grant Griffin. Definitely want to give credit where it's due here. Uh, And then the story by George Mann. So the very first story that we're looking at here is The Knight and the Dragon, and it takes place on Tatooine with Crate Dragons. Now, the whole idea behind these myths and fables is that they're not necessarily meant to be taken literally 
Okay. But there are some really interesting points in this story that I want to point out. Okay. So here's the very first passage. So let's paint the scene first. All right. We've got this group of villagers on Tatooine, and while the desert is tough, it provides. They're able to thrive and be successful. You get a moisture evaporator going there, you can survive. Yeah, until one day, this crate, the dragon crate, as they call it, Mm. comes to feast on their livestock. And Mm. every day, the dragon takes one more animal from He's coming and picking off those rontos. Yeah. Eventually, (laughs) eventually, the dragon starts to take their children. Even though the the settlement, they're hiding them, they're trying to keep them safe. You know, eventually they start taking all the people. So the settlement says, well, you know what? We're good guys, but we can't lose any more people. So we're going to go to another village, take some of their citizens and feed them to the dragon. Oh, well, you know what? That's kind. I mean, they're strangers. You don't have to care about them as much as people. you. That, I mean, hey, if they're not the people you're protecting, right? I agree. It's a freaking dragon, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. Then we get to a passage about halfway through the story that goes like this. So gather around for story time, everyone. All right. Gather around the campfire. I'm going to try and the read glow this lamp. without gather bumping around the glow my room. face into the microphone here. Okay. An old knight who had once been regarded as a mighty hero had made his home on the desert world where he had long before been tasked with protecting a most particular treasure. The knight was retired from adventuring and much like the desert people, He shunned the company of others, preferring a life of solitude and quiet contemplation while he went about his final duty. Nevertheless, the old knight was of an altruistic disposition, and upon hearing that people were being taken from the nearby town, he felt compelled to investigate. Now, what does that sound like to you, Mac? Because I know when I read it for the first time, it sounded like a very particular character to me, but how do you read that? Well, let's see. When was Darth Maul on Tatooine? They could be referring to. <laughs> okay, so it's 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 pretty much it's Obi Wan, right? It, it has to be, right? I well, mean, well, especially the he's protecting a treasure. It's his yeah. final task. He's adventure. And last but not least, yeah. the last passage he had to investigate because we know from Attack of the Clones that Obi Wan has a detective streak. He does. He does. One of the best parts about Attack of the I Clones. I love that part. I know. So, here's the thing. The other eight stories in this book are all a lot more vague than this one. Some of them, I think, have characters you can assume they're referencing or stories they're referencing. But this one specifically struck me, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, because it really does feel like they're making a point to reference Obi-Wan here. Well, I think they're using Obi-Wan, but this could be very Arthurian legend that we're using Mm Obi-Wan, and he's a specific character that definitely maps. But this story may never have happened. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. While this does technically count as a canon piece of material in Star Wars, Miss and Fables, it's the freaking title Some, of the book, so, right? As I say, the kids on Tashi Station probably heard this story. <laughs> we'll have to find out. Yeah. Um, we'll do that. I know you want to talk about Luke's friends at Anchorhead. We'll oh, see I if do. They know Fixer anything about it. and Cammy so, and everybody. <laughs> the Knight soon discovered the perpetrators behind the disappearances. Basically, he discovered that the townsfolk, well, the, the folks in this settlement, were taking people from other settlements to feed the dragon. Right. So he went and essentially, even though he volunteered to take care of the dragon for them, the townspeople still tied him up and used him as a sacrifice. So they take him out to the edge of their village where they have a place for the dragon to come get its meal. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, Obi Wan breaks out of. Well, sorry, the character who we don't know is Obi Wan for sure the, breaks the, out of the his errant bonds. knight. The knight, yes, breaks out of his bonds and with a uh, hiss ignites his blue laser sword, as the story says, and for over an hour fights with the dragon. Neither of them seeming to take any damage, but essentially going back and forth. What the heck's a crate dragon made out of that? Uh, you got me. And eventually, to the townspeople's amazement. The knight lowers his sword and raises his hand, and all of a sudden, as if by an invisible force, the dragon just stops and looks at him. And together, they leave the settlement. The knight and the dragon, they leave together. The dragon never to bother the settlement again, but not before the knight lets the townspeople know. We understand times were tough. But you're never to take anyone from another village again to sacrifice them to a giant dragon. You, you need to stop that. It's yeah. very bad. So <laughs> while teaching a lesson, this knight saves them from the dragon. So essentially what we're to imply is this knight uses the force to communicate with this crate dragon. Yep. And get him to understand that the village is no place for him. Now, I have to ask, you read the story. Is there anything to imply that that village is normal people? Because that sounds more like Tuscan Raiders figuring stuff out to me. They don't say specifically that it's Tuscans. I definitely had that thought. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything to imply that they're 100% Tuscan, though. Well, just sacrificing people from the other village seems like a sensible idea. It seems a real Tuscan Raider way of solving the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I... As far as I remember, and I did not reread the whole sure, story. Sure. I've only read it once. Oh, front you, to, the fine. whole book I've only read once, front to back. Um, I like to give them room to breathe. This book just came out a little over a month ago. Okay. Uh, and also, I did. I do want to point out, it is part of the Galaxy's Edge push of novels, including this, Crash of Fate, mm-hmm. Black Spire. Uh, so if you're interested in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, at Disney, this is one that I definitely recommend. One of the stories does take place on Batuu. Oh, okay. That's cool. So we'll do a whole rundown of the book some other time because I absolutely love it. And Mac, I'm going to leave this here so you can check it out and give it a little reading tonight. Uh, (laughs) But realistically, I found this story maybe not the most interesting, but the most interesting in the fact that it's the only one that really seems to telegraph what it is trying to say. Yeah, that Obi-Wan saved the the people from a dragon by calming it with the Force. Exactly. So... This is a story that I really enjoyed. I really loved this book as a whole, just for the simple fact that it really felt like it was up to my imagination. There's no wrong or right answer when talking about it. You know, when we discuss it, there's no definite facts. It's just open to interpretation. Sure. And I found that really fun. Uh, Another book that we've talked about before on here is the uh, Aliens, you know, Tales, Volume 1 book. Yeah, uh, that came out that has High Noon on Jakku and Lost Treasure of Count Dooku and all those other stories in it. It is one level below that as far as, you know, the, the print's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit farther apart. The whole book is only, yeah. you know, about 150 pages. Uh, but it's the same concept. And I really like these little mini adventures, these little sure. mini stories little we're getting serials. a lot more now that are still written with care for the universe. You know, it's not like... 
the the children Star Wars books I grew up with, you know, the the Hand of Vader and oh gosh, uh, you know, Mission to Mount Yoda, and th- those were not so great, you know. But this really feels like Star Wars. It's definitely a, a a book and a project I really enjoyed, and I hope other people pick it up. Well, uh, so if you're you know if you're out there, you're listening to this Star Wars missing fables. It's not too pricey. It's beautiful. It's hardback. Uh, it is not the size of a reference book. It's kind of in between that and a novel. Mm-hmm. It is definitely something. I would say it's like it's about the size of the Wookiee cookbook. So if you're familiar with that one. That's what I would reference as far as size. And Mac, I loved it. I thought it was great. That story and the other eight in there as well. And I can't wait for you to read it. I'm looking forward to it. Now, let me ask you, is that where you get the idea that there are more dragony crate dragons? Well, you know, there is an illustration both at the beginning of the story. And this is also the illustration for the cover of the book. Okay. So if you do search this on the Internet or at your local bookstore, you will absolutely see this picture right away. So I have it here. And the image is essentially the knight with his back to us, his brown cloak flowing in the wind. He has his blue saber ignited out to the side. And we see the dragon. So we see the twin sons of Tatooine behind him. We see a mountainscape. But the dragon is very much a deep blue, you know, a bluish purple. It's got a pink tongue. It's got about four or five sort of horns going up above its head, some very sharp teeth. Uh, two wings, a big long tail. So it is definitely not just the vertebrae yeah. that we see in the desert, you know, 3PO walking by. Right. It is definitely something more, you know, now, of course, there's a million ways you can explain that, right? The, shans, the sand shifted and the bones from its wings fell beneath, you know, the dune. and Or this know. one has wings and many of them don't. Well, that's or... right. We talked about the different varieties, right? So... Once again, missing fables, not necessarily right. meant to be taken as a direct part of canon. You know, I'd say it's like one step below from a certain point of view. I'd consider that a little bit closer to maybe what actually happened. Yeah, I think when I think of it, I'm sure it was either if it wasn't for the crate dragon itself, like for Star Wars, it was some concept art that might have been for like the Dubak. Because mm. when I think of a crate dragon, I think of something that's bulkier like a Dubak, but way more agile kind of fearfully dexterous like mm-hmm. um was it the baga mm-hmm. the the creature mm-hmm. that obi-wan rides on utapau oh, a varactyl varactyl yeah um a varactyl is like what i would think of as it's like that but bulkier all i can think of when you're talking about you know these kind of kimono dragons is like remember in uh quantum of solace yeah, uh, those those kimono, kimono dragons, dragons are, are like, come out and pull people well, under the bridges. Like, oh man, those that's are not how they work. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I would assume that's not. I mean, I've not seen them at the vicious. zoo. They're they're slower than that. I don't know. They've got something behind those eyes. They're well. The problem with lizards is lizards attack. are lethargic creatures. That's why they can get big and live forever. Yeah, that's why they can become Godzilla and Mac Godzilla Roger can fight them. Yeah. Okay, so Mac, do you have anything else to add about crate create? Oh, uh, last thing dragons. I want to say about Crate, there's a neat thing that does end up being canon. This is super duper duper legends now. But um, mm. when they had that series that was pushing Star Wars well beyond the scope of the movies, uh, the legacy comic book series and mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. one of the, the big bad, like the big Sith Lord in that is Darth Krayat or Darth really? Kryat. And he's got he's it doesn't look like a dragon, but like he's got this really organic armor that's like kind of 
attached yeah. to him. And uh, yeah, he's he's the master of Darth Talon, who is the kind of Darth Maul looking Twi'lek lady. Yeah. And they're all going after Cade Skywalker, who is the most fan fiction character ever. Yeah. I'm not saying anything bad about him. But like, I'm a Jedi, but I'm also a Skywalker and I'm also a bounty hunter. I was going to say he was a bounty hunter. Right? I have the force, but I also am addicted to death sticks. I'm so edge. So I so I never read any of those, but okay. I definitely remember Cade Skywalker from the uh the essential guide to characters. Sure. Remember those? Yeah. 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 So, he's, uh, he's not bad. Deja blue is like one of his partners and she's a real cool character. Like Deja blue, like the water. Is it De- like the, I think it's Deja blue. I could be wrong. A bottled water brand called Deja blue. Like the Walmart. Probably. Brand or something. I think this might've been before that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting the name mixed up. Maybe you're I thinking of a water of. brand. Well, she's a, she's a Zeltrin. So she's okay. like pink with like bluish okay. hair. Well, Maybe we'll do an episode on the huh. legacy comics. We we could. I'm not. I never got super into them because I thought there was kind of there was some silliness to them. But yeah. the one thing I did like about them was they had some very cool, like their empire, the Sith mm-hmm. Empire that's in there is really cool. And Krayat's at the top, and that's another example. So of the word was being this used. Sith Lord from Tatooine? Did he take? He's if I remember correctly, like he's super old. Okay, like so he might have been from Tatooine. He might have been. I, I, if I remember correctly, that was his conceit. Is like he's like a very old creature, and when he like looks, at, you know what? I'm gonna stop speaking to it because I'd have to do some research. Because been a while since you've checked him out. It's been a long time since I looked at them, and I wasn't particularly in a mindset to learn a whole lot about them. Sure, I'm like, sure. This is almost as silly as the Yuzin Vong. <laughs> Not there's right. anything well, that's wrong with the Yuzin Vong. For another time. That's another. Story. I don't have time to talk about 19. But again, of there is at least one right other now. reference that's big in yeah. Star Wars, which was the legacy campaigns hinged on Darth Krayat. Well, that's so good to, to know that. because I'm having enough time keeping up, hard enough time keeping up with the current Star Wars comic books. So. Let's throw some more on the pile. Let's go back and read those two. Gotcha. And if you have any corrections about my total misremembering of legacy, just let us know. Yeah, I mean. Corrections are welcome. We'll get there. We will nod casually as we read the email going, hmm, I did get Uh, that wrong. uh I apologize if that's all you'll get from us as far as corrections go. But. Hey, that's all right. We will read them. I just learned about Action Fleet Stand, something I didn't know about. There you go. Hey, maybe you did too. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, Mac. Well, I'm ready to move on. I don't have anything else to say about these uh, dragons. Now let's move on to our next topic. Beautiful. All right. And so that's how another episode of Star Wars All In comes to an end. We thank you all for joining us with us. We had a lot of fun. I was. I had a great time. I can't believe how much I could remiss about, uh, you know, remember and reminisce about uh, Action Fleet. I don't think I realized how important it was to me until we got into it. Well, you know, the thing about Action Fleet was there was a variety. Mm-hmm. They were affordable compared mm. to larger ships, right? Oh, yeah. And they were fun. They, they had that fun. play factor that really, really made you feel like you were in the universe. It was awesome. Our conversation about the Crate Dragon, and it's some talking about its pronunciation, and also doesn't have <laughs> wings or not, uh, is is interesting. I, I think I don't realize how vague it was in the actual canon. And that myth and uh, the myth and fables there is mm-hmm, awesome, mm-hmm. but I think it just sort of muddies the water in a fun way of just kind of like, well, who did it or did it not? Did Obi-Wan kill one and didn't, or, or I guess not kill one. Did he brawl with one? I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's, it's fun to think about. Yeah. I, you know, all of these topics today, we are super passionate about. 
Absolutely. And that makes it that much more fun for us to talk about. So we hope you enjoy that. We hope you're passionate about Action Fleet. And, uh... and I love how when we do things like Luke's vision, we're like, okay, let me just get out a pencil. So what things did we talk about we didn't fully explore that we didn't mean to start, but we did? Okay, those are new topics. Okay, so we're going to talk about the other visions. We're going to talk well, about... once the Skywalker saga is over, we're talking about all the Force visions. Oh, yeah. And uh, that'll probably be... Because hopefully whole... they'll yeah. maybe all we'll do be a Force in Vision special. Now? Mm. I think maybe. Okay. More context than we have right now. For sure. Um, and so we hope you're going to be with us on that journey as we, we, we go on the, what do we call this? The, the path that, what is it called? The, the journey to the rise of the Skywalker? journey. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Well, the journey to the rise of the Skywalker. There's too many thes in there. You, you add one extra the every time to the title of episode nine. What? You always say rise of the Skywalker. That's yeah, you. It's the rise of Skywalker. Is it? You yes. How do you not know what the movie's called? I mean, I know it's not out yet, but because I keep thinking it's the you were Skywalker. at celebration. You saw it before anyone else. I know the rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. I mean, you're the one okay. who kept what? What were you saying before? Oh, Mac, we'll work on it. Okay. <laughs> we'll work on it. Once you've seen the movie, I hope you'll have the title down. Well, we'll see. We'll see if the Skywalker is a title or if it's a name or whatever the heck it is. That will help. All right, let's figure it out. Maybe One it's just having. Sh- you know what? I think is we had too many conversations. Do you think the Skywalker is like a title, but like the Jedi, like they'll be the Skywalkers? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's just probably that's polluted my brain. That's why I'm I cutting think off. We just talked about too much. I'm going to be Star Wars tonight. Uh, that it's getting late. We we yeah, we're running so, out of podcast fluid here. One more big shout out to Royal Farm Boy. Oh yeah, we talked totally. About him in the intro a little bit. Thank you again for your review and your oh, rating really on iTunes. It. We really do appreciate it. Anybody else who could shoot us a five-star review and a rating on iTunes, the Apple Podcasts app. It helps us out a lot. Move up in search results. It helps us move up in Google search results. Yeah. It helps people find us and listen to us. Uh, and it lets us know that you like what we have here. Yeah. And realistically, if you have any feedback for us, please shoot us an email. StarWarsAllIn at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram or facebook any of those uh star wars all in on all three let us know what you're thinking let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see us cover we actually had a request for a topic and we'll be working that in Mm, yeah probably next episode here coming up so uh more to come on that but if there's anything you'd like us to talk about like us to go all in on please let us know yeah, absolutely. Join our community. That's totally separate from iTunes. We, we like iTunes because it helps us grow as a young podcast. Uh, and we'd love to have you there, especially when you see new episodes. If you want to hit us again, just, you know, help us out. But like independent of that, we want to start having that conversation. We start like, what did we get right? What did we get wrong? And all that stuff. So yeah. we're excited to build this with you. Absolutely. There's no doubt we are going to say some wrong things. But that's absolutely. the best part about this. You know, we're here to learn more about Star Wars, too. And while we are experts, well, experts, you know, in air quotes. Well, we're amateur on some experts. Such, on some Star Wars subjects. I like to think I know everything there is to know about Zuvio. But <laughs> beyond that, you know, we don't know everything. I no. don't know every action fleet ship. Uh, I most certainly don't know every detail about Cry Dragon. So, you know, let us know if there's something we missed, something we didn't talk about. All right. Well, until then, Beautiful. may the Force be with you. Good night, everyone. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Burgess III, Ross Grieco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. 
Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, movie clips, and sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2019.